those final few verses, verse 14 to 18. Uh, please have your Bibles open as we look at our passage together. I'll be reading from the entire prologue, so that will be John chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. That's John chapter 1, verse 1 to 18, and this is God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, Lord, we pray that your word will be living and active. Lord, we pray that by your spirit, you'd be working powerfully in and through your church this morning, and especially by your word. Father, we pray, give us ears to hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you wanted to find someone and you realized that on your own, you couldn't, how would you go about looking for them? Growing up, I remember getting into those Where's Wally's books. I wonder if you've heard of them. And in these books, there would be a page filled with people and you had a task to try and find where Wally was. In some cases, it was easy. In some cases, it was hard. And sometimes, I think impossible. Sometimes you would just stare at a page and stare at a page, but never find Wally. But you know he's there. But you realize on your own, you can't find him. So if you want to find him, and on your own you just can't, who would you turn to for help? Well, you would turn to someone who knew already how to find him. Someone who already knew where Wally was. 
What about if you are looking for God? Doing a quick Google search, if you type how many religions there are in the world, don't do it now. Dr. Google will tell you that there are over 10,000 known religions in the world. 10,000 religions trying to work out what it means to have meaning and purpose. 10,000 religions trying to discern if it's possible to know God. If you were looking for God, if you wanted to know who God is, sorry to break it to you, but try as you might, you can't figure this out on your own. You can't sit in a field, look at creation, and discern from creation who the Almighty is. Romans 1, 19-20 reminds us that creation displays our wonderful Creator's eternal power and His divine nature. But friends, that's only a drop in the cosmic pool of who God is. No, friends, if you want to know who God is, you need to find someone who knows God and who could tell you more about Him. Uh, the Gospel of John, its singular overarching message is that Jesus is the divine Son who reveals the Father. Let me say that again. Jesus is the divine Son who reveals the Father. John, in these final verses of his prologue, wants us to know that Jesus has made the Father known to us and that Jesus has done this solely by His grace. Uh, what does grace mean? It's one of those Christian words we like throwing around, isn't it? And yet sometimes... We never explain the word. Simply put, grace is God's undeserved kindness, receiving what we don't deserve. I remember in my early Christian walk having it explained like this, that justice, justice is receiving what you do deserve. Mercy, however, is not receiving what you do deserve. And then grace Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Let me illustrate it like this. Uh, if you were to commit a crime, any crime, justice would be receiving a punishment for your crime. Mercy would be, however, not receiving the punishment for the crime. It would be like the complainant dropping the charges against you for the crime that you committed. Grace... Grace would be more than the complainant dropping the charges, but it would be also them giving you something you don't deserve. So in addition to no charges being pressed, they are also going to give you a sports car, a beach house, and an tri all-expense-paid tri trip to Disneyland. Hard to believe, isn't it? But that's why it's called grace. It's undeserved kindness. Receiving something you don't deserve. Friends, the Word has made the Father known to us solely by His grace, by His undeserved kindness. And today we're going to look at this a bit more in detail from our passage. And to do this, I have three points. Our first point, by His grace, the Word came. 
by His grace the Word came. And second, by His grace the Word saved. By His grace the Word saved. And third, by His grace the Word revealed. By His grace the Word revealed. Let's have a look at the first of those three points. Point number one, by His grace the Word came. Verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. John is telling us that the eternal Son took on flesh and became a man. God the Son became incarnate. He was born of a woman, born of the Virgin Mary, and was fully human. Our friends, John is communicating to us that Jesus took upon Himself everything that it meant to be human. He would get tired. He would get sick. He would get hungry. He could be tempted in every way, just like us. But unlike us, he did not embrace our fallen nature. He did not sin. 1 John 1.5, it says, God is light. In him there is no darkness. However, by taking on flesh, taking on human flesh, the word like us could die. And die he did when he took upon our sin, upon himself. And he died the death meant for us upon the cross. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, To dwell in the Greek, the word skeneo, literally means to pitch a tent. And the God, the Son, took on flesh and pitched his tent among us. As such language would make us think back to the Exodus and how Israel wandered for 40 years in the desert. And the God traveled with them. He pitched his tent and dwelt with them. However, Jesus, God the Son, has not come as smoke or as fire, but he came as a man. What is this telling us? It's telling us It's communicating to us a new intimate relationship in which Jesus was to dwell and be with his people. In the incarnation, Jesus related with his disciples in a more profound way. He ate with them. He traveled with them. He prayed with them. He was in close, intimate relationship with them. Yet even more profound than this, is how Jesus relates to his disciples now. By his Spirit, we are united to Christ. In this weird paradox, 1 John 4.13 tells us that we dwell in him and he dwells in us. By his Spirit, friends, you and I have deep, intimate relationship with Christ. And by this intimate relationship, we know Christ. And since we know Christ, we know the Father. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And when Jesus came... How did he reveal the Father to us? 
He did it by showing us that like the Father, He is divine. That like the Father, He is able to save. He showed us the close intimacy He has with the Father and said in many different ways that He and the Father are one. Whoever has seen Jesus has seen the Father. How did Jesus show us that He is like the Father? By showing us His glory. Now the word glory is a word that's trying to encapsulate the majesty, the wonder, the power, and the goodness, and the splendor of Jesus. Our Old Testament reading, which Jenny read out to us, reminded us the glory displayed by God in how He saved Israel from the hand of Pharaoh. That with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, the Lord revealed who He was, what He could do, and who Israel was. That Israel were His covenant and His people. And He showed Israel by signs and wonders what He could do. And through signs and wonders, He saved them from their enslavement. One, in the, one of the ways in which Jesus demonstrates His glory in the Gospel of John is through, what is through what is known as seven signs. And in the first of these seven signs, the changing of water into wine, this is what John says. John chapter 2, verse 11. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which He revealed His glory. And His disciples believed in Him. These signs were to reveal Jesus' identity and to call people to faith in Him. Our friends, just like a synopsis of a book is meant to reveal how great the book is, so too the signs of Jesus were to point us towards how great Jesus is. These signs were to always point to something greater and what Jesus would ultimately do in His death and His resurrection. For example, the feeding of the 5,000 was to point people and say that Jesus is the bread of life. John 6.35, it says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The raising of Lazarus was to point people and say that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John 11.25-26, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. And even, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Friends, as we hear of the grace that Jesus displayed in coming down, coming down to us, in taking upon human flesh, in dwelling amongst us, in showing us what he has done for us, how should we respond? Knowing what Christ has done for us, it should lead us to great thankfulness, shouldn't it? That the God of the universe came down to us. He came down to save us, to reconcile us back to the Father. Friends, it should also lead us to praise Him. We haven't got an oppressive God, but one who humbled himself by taking on human flesh, that he might reveal to us who the Father is 
and also give us eternal life. Friends, we should be praising Jesus for what he has done for us. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? In our lives, are we giving thanks and praising our great God for what he has done? And in through the work of the Lord Jesus? Or are we perhaps instead complaining? Complaining about the circumstances that God has given us? If we aren't thankful, if we aren't praising our great God, then this is an opportunity to reflect. It's an opportunity to repent. An opportunity to remind ourselves that all praise, all thankfulness rightly goes to God for the grace that we have received. By His grace, the Word came. By His grace, He took upon human flesh. By His grace, He dwelt among us. By His grace, He revealed Himself, who He was and why He was here. By His grace, the Word came. And then point number two, by His grace, the Word saved. Friends, as we come to the New Testament, it may seem that the Pharisees, through their interpretation of the law, have created a works-based religion. That to be right with God, you need to follow the law perfectly. That to be right with God, you need to do these good works. How the law was never given as a means of being right with God. That if you do these things, then God will respond then with kindness. Friends, when was the law given? The law was given after God had saved his people. When he had already saved them from their captivity in Egypt. The law is thus then a continuation of God's grace to his people. And our passage reminds us this also. Verse 16 and 17, have a look with me. Verse 16 and 17, it says this. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In Jesus... We have received grace replacing grace. Grace means God's undeserved kindness and receiving something which we did not deserve. So friends, please do not take this verse to mean that the law was bad and that Jesus is good. The law was a display of God's grace. The law was more than, more than just a series of commands and statutes but it was also God's instruction. His instruction in how His people should worship Him. His instruction how they should live with one another. God's law was His provision of how to live in accordance with His ways. And the law was given by His grace. However, there was a problem. There was a problem. 
And the problem was not with the law, but it was with us. In our fallen state, God's people could not keep the law. While the law and God's instruction was meant to lead people to God and to His ways, humanity's very nature would lead them to follow the things of this world. Paul said in his letter to the Romans, he said this, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seasoning opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So sin had to be dealt with. This is where we see grace given in place of grace. On our own, we could never live in accordance with God's ways. However, through Jesus, we can. In that exchange with Nicodemus, Jesus says to him, Very truly I tell you, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And how are we born again? As we looked last week, it is by the spirit of adoption. When we become a child of God, we are given the means to live for God through the greatest gift that we could be given, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Friends, by the Spirit, we enjoy the liberties and privileges of being a child of God. We have access to the Father through the work Christ has done for us, made known to us by the Spirit. We are taught and corrected by the Spirit. And by the Spirit, we are able to live for God. Friends, this is why we are told that we have received grace on top of grace. Friends, this really is a picture of God's loving kindness towards His people. It's like the law gave us that sports car, that beach house, those first-class tickets to Disneyland. But then God gives us more. He gives us more. He says, let me give you my spirit. Let me give you a home with me. Let me give you eternal life. God continues to show His grace abundantly again and again and again. He will give us, His people, undeserved kindness on top of undeserved kindness. And we see this undeserved kindness most profoundly in the death and resurrection of Christ, don't we? That God the Son took upon flesh that He would die in our place. On the cross... Christ bore our sin. He bore our punishment. While we were dead in sin, dwelling in darkness, God showed us His loving kindness. He said to, pe he said to His people, He said, You, you were my sheep, and I lay down my life for you. You are my sheep. And I lay down my life for you. 
Friends, I hope you know. I hope we know what we have been given in the Lord Jesus. In Him we have received grace on top of grace. Uh, The Christian faith is not a works-based religion. It is a grace-based religion where we have received grace on top of grace already given. The Christian faith is a grace-based religion. And brothers and sisters, we are reminded today that it's not by works that we have been saved. It's by grace we have been saved. So take comfort, Christian, in the work of Christ. Take comfort in the grace that you have received. Rest in the work of Christ, not in your own works, but in His good works. By His grace, Jesus saved us. By His grace, the Word saved us. And now we come to our third point. Point number three, by His grace, the Word revealed. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. The Word, by His grace, He came, He saved, and He revealed. The Word revealed to us the Father. Jesus, the Divine Son, has made known to us who the Father is. How is Jesus able to do that? Because He is God. He has been with God since the beginning. Before the triune God created the universe, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been in an active, close, intimate relationship with one another. Together they formed the world. Together they saved Israel from captivity. Together they redeemed humanity. And together they have defeated the darkness. Yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus God the Son is able to make the Father known to us because in the beginning He has known the Father. He has been with the Father. There are 10,000 religions of the world each trying to ascertain how you can know God. But friends, you can only know the Father through the Son, through the work Jesus has done, made known to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the only way to know the Father. The rest of John's Gospel is then an expounding of how Jesus, the divine Son, reveals the Father. I remember starting this series saying that the prologue of John is very much like the trailer to a movie. Do you remember that? And I said, if you want to know more of who Jesus is, of how he reveals the Father, through these signs, through his work, through his teaching, then what do you need to do? You need to read the rest of the gospel. You need to read the rest of the gospel. Friends, if it has been a while since you have read the Gospel of John, or you have never read it before, then I invite you to read the Gospel of John. Take and read. And why delay? Open up for yourself the wonderful message that John has given to us 
his church. And as you read, friends, I encourage you to pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the Holy Scriptures to you. And that as you read the Gospel of John, you will grow in an understanding that John is the divine Son of God who reveals the Father. That Jesus provides eternal life to all those who believe in Him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You for the Gospel of John. We thank you that in the gospel we are given a clear message that Jesus is the divine Son who reveals the Father. And that in Jesus the darkness is defeated and eternal life is found. Father, we thank you for the six-part series that we've had in the prologue of John. And Father, I pray that as we read the gospel of John in the future, through what we have learned together as a church in the prologue, that we would have a deeper understanding and appreciation for the entire gospel. Father, we do pray that every time we read your word, that you would grow us in the knowledge of the grace that we have received in the Lord Jesus. To him be all the praise and glory. Amen. Thanks, musicians. you join with us and stand as we sing about how there is no other name except for Jesus. Through who we are redeemed. 